0: Marvelous, marvelous! It's good to see you guys. Thanks for being here with us. You might as well just stay up here, huh? Well, welcome to No Limits. Thanks for being with us. Want to say hey to those joining us online too? It's great to hear the word of God, even if it's over the internet. But if you have a chance to be here with us in person, I highly encourage you to do so. Next week, that's your week. Come be with us in person. Yeah, we got some agreement up here. All right, y'all. Well, I have the privilege to introduce my brother-in-law up here, Talon. He's a guy that I truly admire for his, um, he's really in tune with, with God. And sometimes he says things that seem way far out there. And we're like, wow, Talon. And then only to find out months later that he was right <laughs> because he was listening to God before the rest of us. So you guys are in for a good treat. Just let me pray over him. And then we're going to hear the word from him today. Lord, we thank you for Talon. And we ask you to bless him in the name of Jesus, bless him with wisdom and with revelation. And we thank you that, his, that your Holy Spirit is all over him and that it's uh, instructing him as he instructs us. And we're excited to hear the word that you have through Talon today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, Cade. I appreciate that. Welcome. I'm glad you guys are all made it today <laughs> and are all here. All right. So the title of this message is "Don't despair. Begin to repair." So, what do you guys think of when you think of the word despair? You, know, you think wallowing, <laughs> discouraged. You know, uh, maybe lacking faith, hopelessness. Yeah, um, and you know, and basically. Uh, we've got to get out of that victim mindset and, cause we're victors, you know, right? Through Jesus. And, uh, and begin to repair and let God do the, the things that he wants to in our life. So there are four steps to repair that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, um, step one is concern. We have to first be deeply concerned with where we're at in life. And step two is we confess to God where we're at <laughs> and I'm, just be honest, you know, that we've, we can't do it on our own, right? Step three is we commit. What do we commit to? We commit to doing it God's way, not our way. Right? And number four is courage tempered with caution. And that means that we're going to go boldly, even though it might be blindly. <laughs> we can't see in front of us sometimes what we're going into, but we got to move anyway. Right? And uh, so that's where caution, putting on our armor on, comes in place. So we do it through faith. I put reconstruction is happening now for God's glory amen so everybody just say this with me thank you Jesus for removing anything hindering my development freedom and restoration amen spirit soul and body last week Chris Rose spoke about pride and it's ugly cousins right (laughs) for you guys that were here and he also mentioned being stuck at age 12 for like 20 plus years I was very very similar as I stopped aging spiritually from like age 12 until I was 24, 25, and I felt like I just wallowed in that place of despair, right? So I believe it's different for everyone. If you felt stuck, it doesn't have to take you as long as Chris Rose or even I to grow. When I think of pride, I think of Leviathan in the Bible, but that's another sermon. If you want to know more, just read the book of Job, but you can pray against Leviathan and see pride begin to dissipate from your life. Rahab was a helper of pride alongside addiction, sin, and I believe another helper of pride is the spirit of arrested development. And all of these things work together to block spiritual growth. And we know there's more that stop spiritual growth, though, like burdens, yokes, strongholds, chains, walls, enemy lines or walls, and broken down gates that act as barriers in front of us, impeding our progress. So, A recap real quick. This is like part two of last year's sermon, because last year it was in May. I got up here and I talked about letting go and letting God. And um, I talked about taking responsibility for ourselves and where we are right now in life, softening our hearts and surrendering surrendering ourselves to God's will. I talked about stop trying to do things our way, right, and choose to do it God's way. Not try to fit him into our box of who we think him to be, but, uh, you know, that's idolization. But instead... Uh, to actually learn who He is and to build that intimate relationship with Him, to really know Him. Uh, I talked about escaping sin, which is uh, Egypt in Hebrew kind of represents sin, and the plagues represent the results of our sin. I talked about forgiving and breaking the yokes of bondage off of our life, releasing bitterness and the burdens to Jesus, and, and asking Him for His yoke and His burden, which is easy and light. I talked about replacing our complaints with being grateful and content. And sometimes that's hard to do when you see your neighbor and they look like they're doing way better than you. <laughs> right? It's hard. Uh, but that's the comparison trap, so we don't fall into that. Um, I briefly mentioned how we might have to march around rejoicing as the Israelites did in the book of Joshua around the wall of Jericho until they had an attitude adjustment. And some of us need to do that. <laughs> we need to go from our place of dread, victim attitudes, to joyful, victorious ones. And once we've entered the promised land and fully possessed it, how do we keep the enemy out? Or another way to ask this is, once we've cleansed our house, our temple, we've swept it and it's in order, how do we keep the enemy from trying to move in on us? We build walls and fill the house with family and blessings so that the empty space is taken up, no vacancy, right? The Israelites and Nehemiah couldn't move around the city when working to build if the gates were broken down in front of them. Let me put it into a few perspectives to help you understand it more clearly. You can't go into a room if the door is shut or broken, and you can't drive around the city if the intersections are broken up and in need of repair. Right? How are you going to get to work if the intersections are broken up? They must be repaired so we can work and build. What is the most important first step to building a house? That's right. Foundation. And therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And that's the most important part of our foundation is having that cornerstone in place. It makes all the other bricks fall into place. So here's a couple of scriptures. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So those other bricks that we saw, that's that's us. <laughs> And come to the Lord Jesus, the stone that lives. The people of the world did not want this stone, but he was the stone God chose, and he was precious. You also like living stones. uh, are you are also like living stones. So let yourselves be used to build a spiritual temple, to be holy priests who offer spiritual sacrifices to God. He will accept those sacrifices through Jesus Christ. So when we speak out the, uh, loud the Word of God, whether to a person, an encouragement, or during a time of prayer for them, we're truly loving them and building them up. And there are many types of prayer. I'll go into just a few in a moment. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So that's basically saying the Word is love, God is love, right? So some different types of prayer. It's not an uh, all-inclusive list. Uh, I just wanted to help you guys get your wheels turning this morning. Um, everything you can think of from your mind and heart, ongoing conversation with God, attitude that you stay in all day when you're sleeping while the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf, even you know while you're asleep. Um, when you speak in tongues, standing in agreement on God's word and promises, uh, praise and worship, those are both acts of prayer books with prayers that have scripture references to where they came from, private fasting and prayer, prayer through action, and inclusive or corporate prayer. So there's many different types of prayer, right? Prayer is just um, speaking God's Word. So let's talk about loving ourselves first by praying God's Word over our lives so that when we get the beam out of our eyes to see clearly how to help others move that splinter or the splinters that we see, um, we're actually ready to help them instead of making them feel condemned. Uh, you can't pray God's Word over your life if you don't make a habit of, to consistently read it. <laughs> so, this, can't, this can be difficult to do, especially when starting out. You may not know where to begin or how to begin, and you may lack the confidence you need to go out about it in a way that you feel comfortable with. Whatever the barrier may be, I don't want you to allow it to stop you from pursuing God with all your heart any longer. So today, I want to help you remove some of those barriers. Amen? Amen. God's Word is full of hidden treasure. What what treasure, somebody might ask. Um, we're going to look at a few. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding, rather to be chosen than silver? If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, and then he said, I am your exceeding great reward. So <laughs> he is our treasure. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, that's treasures. Another example of a treasure in God's word is knowing the biblical Hebrew and Greek meaning for words and names. Right? One of the best things about finding treasure is the adventure you go on to find it, right? <laughs> Normally, we wouldn't even go on a treasure hunt without both a guide and a treasure map. A few, a few years back, I asked God, now that I know that your word is the ground, filled with hidden treasures and understand that the Holy Spirit is my guide, there has still got to be a map, you know? Um, and I just was looking for that map, and uh, I mean, we have concordances, lexicons, commentaries, and other tools and resources to help us with our search, but those are part of the gear that goes along with your protective wear, Right? Having a guide and being equipped with gear is still different than having a map. A guide will lead you and help you interpret the map. However, we need a map to help us find people where they are at along in their spiritual journey and help them best we can through prayer, encouragement, and displaying God's light to them. And we do this when opportunities become available, right, if we're obedient. (laughs) The gift of discernment can be a helpful tool as well. I began searching the Bible for that map. And I believe that I found it in Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, A couple of examples I listed up here, Ephraim and Manasseh, they were brothers. And I'm sure you guys have already read most of the slide there. But um, his name meant twofold increase or doubly fruitful. Um, And Manasseh's name means uh, make to forget the past toil and pain that we've gone through. And I honestly believe the reason they're brothers is it shows, too, that it implies a connection between the two. If you forget your past pain and toil, you'll automatically become doubly fruitful as a result. So let's pray this uh, real quick. Lord Jesus, I ask you now for the blessings of Ephraim and Manasseh, and I receive them now in your name. Thank you for them. Amen. All right, so this is a map that I found, and it's in. And it's kind of hard to see. Some of you guys might be able to see what it says, but I'll read it to you guys. So there's 10 different gates I want to focus on today, and this is the map of Jerusalem. And basically, when we first ask Jesus into our hearts, we come to over here to the sheep gate. It's on this side. And we're on the outside of the wall. We're not on the inside, right? But we're, we're traveling around trying to build the wall. Okay, and so we're at the Sheep Gate. We go through, um, you know, a little bit of time. We're born again. We're baby Christians, right? And we're getting bottle-fed milk, and people are changing our diapers. Hundreds of people are helping us and caring for us, right? And we go to this place called the Fish Gate, and that's when we really get excited and pumped up about God, and we start inviting all of our friends to church, right? And we do really really good at inviting people to church compared to some of the seasoned Christians they are not even inviting anybody anymore, right? Um, and then we get to the gate of Shana or the old gate. And that's where we start learning the things of old, you know, the truths of old Jesus and how he's never changing. He's always the same today, yesterday, and forever. Um, and then after that, we pass the gate of Ephraim where God makes us fruitful. Um, but then we go down the broad wall to the tower of the ovens. And what that means is we start getting tried, and we reach the valley gate, we all know the valley of the shadow of death, right, <laughs> even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. That's that valley right there um and then after the valley gate, there's the dung gate, and that's where you get rid of all the rubbish and everything that you just came through in that valley <laughs> and then right after the dung gate is the fountain, and that's where. If you had God's Word inside you, right, it's a, like a river flowing. It'll flow up out of you and spring forth speedily, and start, you'll start speaking God's Word like never before, getting rid of that rubbish and getting cleansed. Uh, and then we go down the stairs of David. I, I see that as a decline of our pride, <laughs> humbling ourselves. And we go to the, uh, past the buttress, the projecting tower, and then we get to the water gate, where we start reading God's Word again. Usually, you know, the fountain gate, the water gate, those kind of go hand-in-hand, reading God's Word, speaking it out loud. After that, we get to the horse gate. That's some spiritual warfare. Horses represent war. Um, And then the east gate, where we're looking to the east for Jesus, right? But we can't go through that gate. He comes through it to get us. After that, there's the muster gate or the inspection gate, and that represents... uh, Maybe down here on earth for us, inspecting ourselves. But when we get to heaven, that day of judgment, when he inspects us. So we're kind of all moving along these, this wall here, and all of us have to build each other up. We're the stones that make up the wall. And sometimes we're those intersections I talked about that were broken up are those gates. They could be broken down in front of you, and you're stuck And you're going around in a circle in your life, around a mountain, over and over and over, and you still end up at the same spot, and you don't know why. Because that gate's still broken down in front of you, and you just can't get through. And some people have been stuck like that for years. So I'm going to go into each one a little bit more with Scripture. The Sheep Gate is where you began your life as a Christian by accepting Jesus' sacrifice for you as the Lamb of God. Know that the Lord, He is God— it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. When we, He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The fish gate. And He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to, be- to become fishers of men. And so was also James. One who follows closely at the hills is what James means in Hebrew. Uh, and John, Yah is, uh, Yah is and has been gracious. The sons of Zebedee is a gift of God, which were par- uh, partners with Simon, which means listen. Uh, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not; from henceforth thou shalt catch men. It's talking about listening to God, going. You know, God has, or God has graced us to be able to reach out to people and invite them and fish them in to church, right, into the body. The old gate, the things of old. This also kind of makes you think of Manasseh, past memories, uh, and, and also the truth that never changes, which is Jesus. The valley gate where you go through tribulations, persecutions, etc. Even though we walk through the valley, the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. Psalm twenty-three, four. And the dung gate, this is where you get rid of that rubbish like I was talking about. If you Google search dung gate, the scripture... <laughs> This, this gate's unusual name derives from the ref- refuse dumped here in antiquity, where the prevailing winds would carry odors away. That's what it says on Google at the top. It's a gate of shame. And so when you're just like, feel like you've really just messed up, right? What comes out of a man makes him unclean, for from within, out of a man's heart, come evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from the inside and make a man unclean. Mark 7, 20 through 23. And he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. So, you know, there was a... Uh, once you go through the dung gate, there was like a little valley. Um, they call it Hinnom, which uh, actually means like Hades or hell, I was reading. But um, there was a big dunghill <laughs> where you, when you got rid of that rubbish, it got piled onto that dunghill. And so... You know, you, even people might be stuck at the dunghill in their lives, you know, not just the dung gate. The fountain gate, having gone through all that rubbish, the fountain gate is real close to the dung gate, if you noticed on that map, and there was a really sharp turn right after the dung gate. Um, and that's where you take a, you know, that sharp turn back uh, away from what you were doing before, and you turn to God. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. They spring forth speedily. He then moved directly to the fountain gate. It is time to move to the fountain gate to seek God for your restoration of uh, the covenant promises to restore Israel, which is believers in praise, that's what that means, or Jews in praise. It is time to pray for the Holy Land to become holy again. Amen. The water gate is a picture of the Word of God and its effects in our life. Ephesians 5.26 states, Having washed her by the water of the word. Psalm 119.9 states, It is only through God's word that we can be clean. Amen? And some of you guys are sitting here right now thinking that you've messed up too much for God to get rid of your rubbish. But that's not true. I just want to tell you, God can give you a new spirit. He wants to, and a new heart. And so whatever um, decisions you made in your heart at the time of your ignorance and your sin... Um, God doesn't care about that. Just turn to Him now and He'll give you a new heart. It is no coincidence for this gate was located next to the fountain gate as the two often go together, right? Like I mentioned before, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the Word of God alive to us personally, allowing cleansing, encouragement, and direction to take place in our lives. The horse gate was close to the king's stables, and the men of Jerusalem would ride their horses out of this gate to war, Nehemiah 3.28. The horse gate speaks to us of warfare as horses were used in battle and became a symbol of war. Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. Spiritual warfare is a requirement of every Christian because we are all in a battle whether we know it or not. It is also interesting that the horse gate follows the water, uh, the word, Uh, gate for as the word goes forth the spiritual warfare increases the east gate is located on the opposite side of the mount of olives to me i think about you know having our oil in our lamps i think of the mount of olives you know that's something jesus coming through that east gate we need to make sure that we're ready the gate that looked Uh, toward the east, and it was shut. The Lord said to me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it, for the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. The east gate opens and looks toward the Mount of Olives, and we know that when Jesus returns, He will return to this mount. He will then enter Jerusalem by the east gate. The east gate then speaks of the return of Jesus Christ for our Christian life. It shows us of our need to live with his hope and to long for his return. A specific crown is even given to those who do this. 2 Timothy 4, 8, if you want to look at that. The inspection gate, also known as the Mifkad gate. The word in Hebrew has a military connection, and according to tradition, it was at this gate that David would meet uh, his troops to inspect them. And the final gate is the inspection gate, right? That's where we get up to heaven and... uh, he examines our lives by, and, or the Lord examines our lives, and this occurs in this life, as indicated by Paul in First Corinthians four four. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. The ultimate fulfillment is at the uh, bema seat of Christ, as spoken of in First Corinthians three ten through fifteen, Second Corinthians five ten where our lives are inspected and rewarded appropriately. In our Christian experience, we should be living with this in mind. We are called to live our lives with eternity in view and caring more for the things of eternity than the temporal that we see around us. Because everything around us can, can change, but Jesus never changes. So I got these four next slides. There are prayers over the gates. I want us all to pray. I'm going to repair the gates of our lives so that we can actually start uh, flowing through them to the people that are on the other side that are hurting, that need us, to help them build. We can't even get there unless we repair those gates. And the Holy Spirit wants to flow through those gates in our life spiritually to make us more effective as well. So if you guys want to pray this with me. Through Jesus, let me possess the gate of the enemy. Establish the gates of praise in my life. I release battering rams against the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against me. Let the gates of my life and city be opened to the King of Glory. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter in. Strengthen the bars of my gates. Break the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Open before me the gates that I may go in and receive the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. I rebuke every enemy in the gates. Let all the gates of my and city my life and city, sorry, be repaired through the Holy Spirit. Let the valley gate be repaired. Let the gate of the fountain be repaired. Let the sheep gate be repaired. Let the fish gate be repaired. Let the old gate be repaired. Let the dung gate be repaired. Let the water gate be repaired. Let the east gate be repaired. Let the waters flow through the utter gate into my life, past my ankles, past my loins, and past my neck. Make my gates of carbuncles. My gates will be open continually to receive blessings. I command the north gate, the south gate, the east gate, and the west gate to open in my city to the king of glory. I rebuke all enemies that would stand at the gates and try to stop salvation from entering in. I pray for the apostolic gatekeepers of my city to arise and take their place. Let the gates of my life and city be shut to uncleanness, witchcraft, drugs, perversion, and wickedness in the name of Jesus. I pray for the gateway cities in my nation to become gateways of righteousness and not iniquity. Lord, raise up Bethel churches that will be the gate of heaven. Lord, raise up apostolic gate churches that will usher presence and revelation into my region. Amen. All right, that's all I had, you guys.
0: Thanks. Yeah, thank you. That was good. Thank you, Talon. I'm going to ask the guys in the back if you'll bring the lights down and start up that music that we play. I can sense that the Holy Spirit wants to move in the service today, but we're not quite open to it yet. Maybe we just came in to go through the motions or something like that. So sometimes for the Holy Spirit to move, you have to yield to His presence. Actually, every time (laughs) you have to yield to His presence. So I want you guys to join me in just taking some time right now just to yield to the Holy Spirit. And to use the gate analogy, just open the gate of your life to the Holy Spirit. and Let the Holy Spirit come in. And let's let him minister to our hearts this morning, to our minds. Let's let him heal our bodies and heal our minds. And whatever needs to happen today, Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we want you here. You are the power of God. You are the spirit of truth. And we honor you this morning. And Jesus, we thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit. To guide and to lead us into all truth, to give us the power that we need to walk out the calling that you put on our lives. The Holy Spirit is such a gift. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us for neglecting the gift of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to forgive us for resisting the gift of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to forgive us for quenching the Holy Spirit, for grieving the Holy Spirit. And right now, we step into complete forgiveness. We're not going to look behind at what we've done wrong. We're going to look forward and we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome.
2: You are welcome. You are welcome. worship
0: you right where you sit go ahead and begin to honor the Lord just thank him use your words tell him how much you love him how much you appreciate him take some time to be thankful for the things that he's done in your life to remember them God, you are so good. Your love is so great. Your mercy never ends. (laughs) Hallelujah. You are worthy. You are mighty. I've never met a believer who doesn't want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of like one of the common questions, right? Like, how do I hear God's voice? And I believe what the Lord wants to show us today is that many of us don't hear His voice because we don't know how to wait upon the Lord. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? That's what we just did for maybe the most uncomfortable three minutes that anybody's, that you've experienced, right? Even more uncomfortable for me because I'm up here like and feeling like you're expecting me to say something you know we just live in a culture that's it's almost impossible isn't it to wait like as soon as you get a moment to stop you're like let me check Instagram you know I can't I can't just sit here for a minute and the Holy Spirit never has a chance to say hi but he always wants to and the opportunity's not ruined. And it takes practice to learn how to wait. I'm in the middle of my practice season as well, sitting and being quiet. We might have a pro up here on the front row. Or Rachel could probably teach us some things about waiting. But I want to encourage you guys to put that into practice, to learn how to sit in your prayer time, not pray, not talk, but wait. Wait as long as it takes for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I want you to come tell me what he says. It's going to be good stuff. Lord, we thank you that you're not in a hurry. That you're not looking for us to perform. (laughs) You're looking for relationship. Your arms are always open. We're just usually too busy running to sit down and to nurture that relationship. Holy Spirit, I ask that you nudge us or maybe even slap us when we're going so busy. Slow us down and remind us of this moment that we had. do you have something to share?
2: So as we were being quiet and honoring the presence of the Lord, like Kate said, he'll speak to you if you're open for it. All right, close your eyes with me because it was a picture. That's usually how God talks to me. I literally saw a person I'm not gonna say which gender but I saw a person they were literally stuck in quicksand and the more I saw this person move the harder they tried they were trying they really were trying with literally everything within them and they were strong they were trying so hard but the more they moved the deeper they were stuck And it was very hard to watch. But the more I sat there, and I was like, God, why are you showing me this? This is terrible. It's like it's like more light kind of like came to the scene and and the scene kind of got bigger and there was a figure standing right next to this person that was literally in the quicksand. It's almost like this figure, like it was God himself with his feet right in it. And he was just watching this person. I was like, God, you know, like save him. Like, what's, what's wrong with you? Do something. <laughs> He's like, I have, but they're not listening. I've already done what I can do. And I feel like Jesus and I were kind of having this conversation as we're literally watching this person in quicksand. All right, I'll tell you, he he was trying so hard. The more he moved, the worse it got. I was like, God, you really need to help them. Isn't that your job? Aren't you supposed to do that? And I just felt like his sweet presence just like kind of touched my shoulder. And then all of a sudden this peace came upon me. Because I'm a person, I like to fix people. I, it's really hard for me to watch somebody struggle to like like a real struggle, not like a facade thing. I can usually see right past it, but they were really trying really hard. And I saw him and I saw his family and everybody around him was completely suffering. But he was trying so hard and I was like, God, why don't you do something? And when he put his hand on me, He says, I have, but they're not listening. It's like, well, can you make him listen? Can't you do something? (laughs) Can't you make him listen? He said, no, baby, I can't. It's like, okay, why are you telling me this? He said, because Kay's going to look at you. And you have to go up to that stage that you love so much. (laughs) Because that person is actually in this room. And I'm not going to call you out. This is between you and God. But you came here today. You've been here before. But you're desperate for an answer. Because you literally, I saw you, you are literally trying everything. And you are drowning in quicksand. And God's saying, I'm here for you. If you will just listen to me. If you will listen to me. If you get quiet and you listen. And so when I got quiet, I was like, "Okay, if I was this person, what would I do? i just kind of sit there and be quiet. He said, the answer is in the morning. The answer is in the morning. It's the only time that he's going to have time to himself. The answer is in the morning. If you really want an answer, it's in the morning. Don't wake anybody else up. You, you get up and you seek me. First thing in the morning. I have something for you. I have your way out. No more excuses. You weren't listening. Now he gave me a vision. And it's to help you. It's not to condemn you, but it's to help you.
0: Amen. It says, when you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. So I look forward to hearing what happens. Whoever that is in the room, whenever you do that in the morning, it's going to be worth getting up early. Yep. All right, Lord, we thank you for this time in your presence. And we honor you today. And we give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus name. Everybody said, it. amen. Amen. Go ahead and bring those lights back up. Check this out, y'all. I got my, like, rough copy of this book. And you'll, for people who don't like to read, you'll be glad to see how small it is. You can read it in less than an hour, and I'll be honest with you, when I finished it, I'm like, God, is that long enough? Like, is, is that long enough? And I really struggled with that. I think that's just something the enemy was trying to use to get me to stop from moving forward. Because when I, when I wrote the last word, I, was, I felt in my spirit, like, it's finished. It's done. Stop. And I did, and what I heard the Holy Spirit say is, I want people to actually read this. I was like, ah, good point, good point. And then I still struggled with it after that. I struggled with this for these thoughts for about two weeks. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder how long the, the book of Ephesians is, the book of Colossians, all these New Testament books. I wonder how long they are, about the same length as this. I guess God doesn't need a... 30,000-word novel to get a word across to somebody, so (laughs) I'm excited. So now i got to send this off to the actual printer to get an actual printed copy done, see how it turns out, and if it's good, then my goal is to get it out there by September. So there's still many steps that need to be taken, like setting up the website and things like that, but it is well on its way, and I'm excited for how God's going to use this book. (laughs) Amen. Oh, I got a subtitle for it too. It's Your Guide to Real Christianity. Let me just read the back of it to you. The woke church is a counterfeit. It has great influence, but no power. It attracts crowds of spectators, but produces no followers of Jesus. It puts on a great performance, but everyone goes home to life as usual. But what if the woke church woke up? That's exactly what's going to happen. And the revival that breaks out is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. You see, the woke ideology is nothing more than empty human thinking. Let me refer you to the words of the Apostle Paul. When he says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. This book is your guide out of the woke church and into Jesus' church. (laughs) I'm excited. All right, y'all, well, a few weeks ago I shared with you how living in the promises of God is always a partnership. You guys remember when we talked about that? It's always a partnership. We do something, and then God does something in return. For example, in Deuteronomy 28, God says that he will bless us in the city. He'll bless us in the field. He'll bless us when we come in, bless us when we go out. He'll cause our enemies who rise up against us to be defeated before our face. They'll come out against us one way and flee before us seven ways. That's a good promise. He will give us land. He will bless the land, and he'll give rain to our land in a season. Any farmers out there want some land? Man, Deuteronomy 28 is the place you need to go. And these are big promises. They're awesome promises, but it's a partnership. So what's our part? God tells us exactly what we need to do to receive those blessings in the same scripture when he says, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That's it. Be obedient. It's what he's asked us to do. All those things that are good for us anyways, he's like, yeah, do those things and the blessings are going to overtake you. And then in Malachi 3, God promises us to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that we can't contain it. But it's a partnership. What do we do? What's our part to play in this blessing? Well, he tells us in the same scripture. What does he say? Everybody's favorite scripture in the church. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So give the first 10% of our income to God through the church, not just sometimes, but all the time. And that's our part to play. That's it, y'all. He says, hey, you guys keep 90%. Just give me back 10%. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing you can't contain it. I don't even know why we fuss about that scripture. I mean, that is a sweet deal. Anthony, what do you think about that? That's a pretty good return, isn't it? So my question to you today is, have you taken advantage of the partnership? Are you leaving the blessing on the table? Are you leaving that Deuteronomy blessing on the table by not being obedient to what the Lord has asked you to do? Are you leaving the windows of heaven blessing on the table by not doing what the Lord asked you to do and give 10%? So I encourage you to partner with God. Do what he asks you to do because it works every time. I call this radical obedience. When you find something in the word it sounds kind of crazy, just do it and see how it goes because it's going to work out for you. And if you're ready to give today uh, and you're given by cash or check, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. You can also give online anytime at nolimits.fyi. Tap the giving button there. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you are encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.